Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Today, I'm preaching a message called Stuck in the Mud. And we're gonna go from Psalm 40, this beautiful Psalm, but rather than me reading it, I was sitting there preparing this message this week and I had one of those, those days where I'm in the, in the middle of prepping a message and the word's flowing and the Lord just kept dropping people on my heart and like, just be obedient, be obedient. So I'm ringing people and texting people and be like this. And one of those was that I needed to invite Laura and Frank to read Psalm 40. I have no idea why, but I texted them and said, hey, I feel like you guys need to read this. And both of them are like, we're in. So let's give Laura and Frank a big round of applause. Open the Word and let's come around the psalm. Good morning, guys. All right, so I'm reading Psalm chapter 4, verses 1 to 10. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what He has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud or in those who worship idols. Oh, Lord, my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. You take no delight in sacrifices or offerings. Now that you have made me listen, I finally understand. You don't require burnt offerings or sin offerings. Then I said, look, I have come. As it is written about me in the scriptures, I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. I have told all your people about your justice. I have not been afraid to speak out, as you, O Lord, well know. I have not kept the good news of your justice hidden from my heart. I have talked about your faithfulness and saving power. I have told everyone in the great assembly of your unfailing love and faithfulness. Lord, you do not want with you do not withhold your compassion from me. Your constant love and truth will always guard me. For troubles without number have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me. I am unable to see. They are more than the hairs on my head. And my courage leaves me. Lord, be pleased to rescue me. Hurry to help me, Lord. Let those who intend to take my life be disgraced and confounded 
Let those who wish me harm be turned back and humiliated. Let those who say to me, aha, aha, <laughs> be appalled because of their shame. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation continually say, the Lord is great. I am oppressed and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my helper and my deliverer. My God, do not delay. Bless his word. Going to take the mic with you, Mayor. It's ready to preach. <laughs> Let's pray, church. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is alive and active. We surrender ourselves now in this preaching moment and we pray that, uh, yeah, you would minister to our souls. We don't want just another sermon, just another Sunday, just another day in the life, Lord, we want an encounter with you and we pray that you would speak powerfully, Lord. Change us, shape us, mould us, guide us, direct us. May this be a flag in the sand kind of a Sunday that we look back on and go, yeah, God did something that day. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. In Jesus' name and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Stuck in the mud is what we're preaching. And I waited for the Lord. He turned to me, heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Stuck in the mud. Many, many years ago, I got my L plates. And I was one of those guys who got my L plates on my birthday and then took my sweet, sweet time to get my P's. And uh, I remember getting my P's and I, mum and dad, they had, a, they had a 1993 red Mazda 323. That was the car that uh, I got to drive, didn't get to touch dad's car, that was mum's car, that's what, that's what I got to drive. But all of my lessons were done in an automatic with a lady called Iris. And the Mazda 1993 Red 323, which I called the Maserati, was a manual. So I learnt in an automatic, but reality was happening in a manual. And very, very quickly, as I started to realise, there's a bit of a difference between an automatic and a manual. And when you spend most of your time in an automatic and you start driving a manual, do I have anyone on their L's or their P's at the moment? Sometimes it's a bit you know, you have these dreams of what driving a car will look like and then you start trying to drive and it doesn't quite <laughs> do what you think it will do and you end up on an intersection between Crossroad and Goodwood Road stalled and not doing anything after bunny hopping for a while with cars everywhere freaking out. Amen, anybody? Anybody with me? Anyone humble enough to admit that? So, so I got... I remember getting my peas, um, and uh, at the time I had I had a female interest. Let's call her that. I was, you know, almost 17, 16 and a, and a half, going on 17, and we had a whole bunch of people around in our house, whole bunch of 
mates hanging out and, um, and she was there and, uh, and she sort of didn't have anyone to take her home. I remember saying to mum, hey mum, can I, can I drop this girl home? And, uh, and mum said, yes. And it was gonna be one of the first times that I got to drive the, the 1993 red Mazda 323 all by myself. <laughs> a manual. And so I was like, awesome. You know, this is, this is a pretty cool opportunity. I got my lady in the car. I'm gonna be able to impress her as I drive her home. So I jump in the car. Well, I'm about to jump in the car. She's about to jump in the car. And I am just thinking, this is so cool. And I have this faint memory of my father saying something along the lines of, if you crash the car, I'll crush you. Something like that. Like, <laughs> I can't remember the exact words, but it was along those lines of whatever you do, don't stuff it up. Uh, the car's more important than your ego right now, David. So do the right thing. So I jump in the car, this girl's next to me, we're driving along and she lived up the back of, you know, Glen Osmond out the back. Anyone who knows that area near Seymour College Way and past the Glen Osmond Fire Station. And so you come up Crossroad, turn left onto Portrush Road and it's all going well. And then I turn right. And as you turn right up this, what to me seemed like a mountain, this like really steep hill. Now, if I was to drive that today, I'd probably say it's not that steep. But back then when I'm driving a manual after I've learned in an automatic, I'm like, this thing, is, this thing is steep and I've got the girl next to me and I'm trying to drive her home. It's about probably one and a half, two kilometres up this road to get to her house. So I start driving and I'm like, first, second, third, fourth, here we go. And then the engine just starts to go. And I'm like, uh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Now I knew full well that I needed to drop it back the gear, but the, th the thing was I was stressed, right? There was, there was a lot going on. There was a girl next to me who I was trying to impress. There was my father's voice somewhere behind me saying, if you crash this thing, I'm gonna kill you. There was, there was a lot, there's cars like right on my backside, you know, honking as the car's going, so I try and like crank it back into third and the engine just, and then I just came to a bunny hopping standstill in the middle of the road. And there we are sitting there in the middle of the road about probably still a kilometre and a half away from her house, stuck. And she looks at me as I'm looking straight ahead, thinking, what do I do now? And she's like, is it broken? And I think she's being nice to me because she probably knew full well that I'd stalled. But in the midst of that stress of trying to impress her, in the midst of my father's voice in my ear, in the midst of my dignity being somewhere back on Portrush Road, <laughs> I take a moment, I look at her and I said, yeah, I think it might be. <laughs> and she's like, what should we do? And in that moment, I made a decision that I'm not proud of. <laughs> and I said, I, I think you should probably get out. <laughs> and she looks at me, she goes, you want me to get out? I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I want you to do. <laughs> she goes, well, what are you gonna do? I'm like, well, I might just, like, maybe it'll start if I get down on the flat. So 
How about you walk home and I'll just revert, I'll just roll back down the hill. <laughs> Meanwhile, the cars are zinging past us, all this stuff's going on. So she gets out of the car, looks at me very awkwardly and starts trudging up the hill. I put the hazard lights on as the cars are <laughs> swinging past, sort of go like that. And I just start rolling back down this hall, hill all the way back down until I could kind of reverse into a street and start on the flats, gather my composure and drive on home. Needless to say, that's not the girl that I married. <laughs> It didn't last much longer than that. We all get stuck from time to time. We all get stuck from time to time. In that moment, I knew full well what I needed to do to get moving. I had to put the handbrake on. I had to drop that thing back into first. I had to give it a bit of juice even if it meant a big wheel spin and just keep on ploughing forward. I knew what I needed to do. I knew that I needed to get back to what I learned at the beginning. The first time I got in that car, the first time Dad sat there and said, get your foot off the clutch, get your foot off the clutch. You know, I knew what I needed to do, but in the midst of the stress of that situation, in the midst of all the voices, in the midst of the muddiness of that moment, I froze, I got stuck, I stressed out and I ended up rolling back down the hill as I waved goodbye to the girl that I liked. I wonder if anyone here's ever got stuck before in life. Have you ever had a situation where your expectations didn't meet the reality of what you found yourself in, where you thought life was gonna look a particular way and the mess of life, the muddiness of life, the complexity of life, the stuff that happens around you that you just find yourself in a moment where you go, what do I do now? Anyone ever been stuck before? I wonder if you've ever been stuck in faith. We've ever got to a moment where you look around and you're like, I'm looking at that person there. They've got their hands raised. They've got a smile on their face. It all just seems to be so easy for them. And yet for me, I feel like I'm sitting in the middle of the road and I don't know how to get from here to there. I know where I wanna go. I wanna ascend the mountain of God. I wanna get up that hill. I know His presence is there. I know the promises. I know they're good. And it seems so easy. Everyone else is just flinging straight past me. You know, they come in and it looks so easy for them, but why is it not easy for me? Where's my revelation? Why can't I ascend the mountain of God the way that they ascend the mountain of God? And I just felt this morning, I felt all week this word, and I believe it's a word in season. This is more than just a sermon. I believe this is a prophetic word for our church, a word in season for us, because I wanna dispel some lies this morning. It's so easy to come into a church like ours. It's so easy to, to start to believe a lie. It's so easy to see other people and look around and compare and contrast and believe that maybe God's favour is on them, but it's not on me. Maybe they're more spiritual than I am and God works for them, but He doesn't work for me. That is a lie. 
One person cannot be more spiritual than another. We are all body, mind and spirit. That is our nature. We are made in the image of God, three in one. We are body, soul, spirit, body, mind, spirit. That's who we are and it's intrinsically linked. Someone's not more spiritual than you. They might have different gifts than you. They might have a different personality than you. They might behave in different ways than you. But the blood of Jesus is not a blood that bypasses some and floods over others. The blood of Jesus washes all people. He doesn't miss you on His way to them. And the enemy wants you to believe with little lies that Jesus' blood, it's not for you. You know, God, the grace of God, He's just like, He doesn't love you the way He loves them. That is a lie. And what we have to understand is first to recognise that lie, recognise that everybody gets stuck. Everybody gets stuck. John the Baptist got stuck as he sat in a prison cell towards the the back end of Jesus' ministry. John the Baptist, friends, John the Baptist sends a message to the disciples, to Christ, who says, are you the one? John the Baptist got stuck. If he got stuck, we will get stuck. Everybody is gonna get stuck from time to time. The question is, do we know how to pull the handbrake, put it back in first, and get back to basics. Because when we're stuck, we need to understand that it's time. The reason that person looks like they're in a better place than I am is because they have learned to marvel at the blood instead of wallowing in the mud. They have come back to basics. They have learned to apply the practice of marveling at the blood instead of wallowing in the mud. And too often when we're stuck, we spend the whole time looking around at the cars flinging past us, the voices in our head saying, don't do this, the stress over here that I have to do this, instead of just going back to basics. And today, that's what we're gonna do. I'm not gonna say anything today that you probably haven't heard before. Unless you've never been in a church before, hallelujah, welcome, you're here. We need to come back to basics from time to time to get unstuck and to get moving in the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And I think this Psalm that we're about to look at is one of the most beautiful pictures of getting unstuck because David is writing this Psalm at the end of his life. And it's awesome. As you read through this Psalm, you'll see there's, there's post tense, present tense and future tense. He kind of is molding all these different thoughts together. He's at the end of his life. He's looking back on his life. He's like, man, there were times in my life where I was stuck, where I was wallowing in the mud. And then he begins and he says, but I waited patiently on the Lord and he pulled me out of the mud and mire and he set my feet upon a rock. And then the whole Psalm is about what God did, how he engaged with the Lord to get out of neutral and back in gear to get unstuck. 
So I wanna drop a few things today on Palm Sunday of all days about the nature of discipleship. Because the invitation that Christ gives us is an invitation to discipleship. We looked at this last week. And discipleship is not about being a people who stand at the city gate waving palm trees when life feels good and a week later yelling, crucify Him, crucify Him because all of a sudden it doesn't suit my sensibilities. I'm gonna read to you what I wrote because I don't wanna stuff this up. I feel like the Lord wants to encourage us to the, this morning to remind us that the greatest gift God can give is not a deep emotional connection or some ethereal, otherworldly experience, but genuine, lasting, authentic faith. Faith that lasts. There are many gifts of the Spirit, but no one can confess Jesus Christ is Lord except by the Spirit. And that is what pleases God, faith, lasting, enduring faith is what pleases God. And in the midst of that are all sorts of things that are gonna happen, but God's primary gift is faith. That's the call to a life of discipleship. The gift of God sustained by the Spirit is a faithful following, not founded on feelings, but the revelation of the very real reality that on the other side of the cross is an empty tomb. So I will keep on walking. That's the call of discipleship. As we celebrate Palm Sunday, I'm not celebrating those people who wave the flags. We're celebrating the Lord who went to a cross that we might go Follow Him. How do we get unstuck? Let's have a look at what David would say to us on this Palm Sunday about running the race. About, as Paul says, making it to the end, finishing the race, fighting the good fight of faith. Psalm 40 from verse one. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. Number one, if you're stuck, don't stop crying out. Keep crying out. David, I waited patiently for the Lord. You go back right now as a church, if you're following our Bible reading plan, we're right in the heart of the life of David. And if you've been like me and you've been reading that, you would be seeing over and over again, man, David found himself in some pretty ordinary, tricky situations. And in the midst of that, he says, I've waited patiently for the Lord. I kept crying out, even when I was stuck, even when I was in the mud, even when everything wasn't working, when I'm literally running for my life, when everything's going wrong, I waited patiently for the Lord and I kept crying out. Hebrews 10, 36, do not throw away your confidence. It holds a great reward. You need to persevere. You need to be patient. Everyone say patience. So that having done the will of God, you will receive what was promised. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. He's talking about that in the context of the road that leads to life. He's talking about that in the context of faith, not the new car that you want. He's talking about that in the context of an enduring faith. He's saying, ask, seek, knock, keep crying out because 
God will respond. Maybe not how you want, maybe not when you want, but if you persevere, you will not fail to receive the promise of the empty tomb. Wait patiently for the Lord. Keep crying out. Do it with authenticity. Do it with reality. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to be articulate. You just have to be you. And I tell these stories pretty well everywhere I go. I've told it to you guys before, but it's one of my most favourite stories of this, where a dear friend of mine who pastors a church in Sydney in an affluent area, some of you already know where I'm going because I've told it before. And he says he invited this, this call for people to come forward and offer their cry to God. And they'd been talking as a church about authentic faith, about reaching the lost, reaching the broken, being a church who's open and and vulnerable to to those who need the gospel. And this drug addicted, tattooed to the nines, broken man just came straight forward to the altar of this beautiful Sydney Anglican church. And he got on his knees and at the top of his voice, he let out a four letter word that begins with F. (laughs) Because that was his cry. He didn't know how to say, Oh Lord, would thou speaketh unto my soul. All he knew was what he'd grown up with, which was my life is in the mud. I'm stuck, I'm broken, I'm in the mire. And this is what I need you to do, rescue me. And so here's my cry. I'm not gonna say it. Authentic, genuine faith. It's that whole idea that Jesus says, you know, There's a person who stands up the front and gives the eloquent prayer. And then there's a person who sits at the back, beats his chest and says, forgive me, I'm a sinner. And that's the one who goes home justified before God. Keep crying out. Number two, prioritise praising God with the people of God. Let's read verse three to six of Psalm 40. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many, everyone say many, will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to turn uh, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders You have done, the things You have planned for us. None can compare to You. Were I to speak and tell of Your deeds, there would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering You did not desire, but my ears You have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings You did not require. He's saying, Put a new song in my mouth and many will see and fear the Lord. A new song in my mouth. He's saying, come together, keep prioritising praise with the people of God. So often when life starts to go wrong, so often when we feel a bit stuck in faith, the very first thing we do is withdraw from the people of God. The very first thing we do is withdraw from the Sunday gathering, withdraw from the Friday night youth gathering, withdraw from a life group gathering, withdraw from lunch with my Christian brothers and sisters chatting about the things of God. We withdraw and it's the exact opposite of what we need to do because when we are stuck and we're waiting and we're crying out to God, we need to begin to prioritise praise with the people of God. That's why we gather, not because you've got it all together. The church isn't a place where everyone's perfect. The church is the actual, literally the one place in the world that celebrates that we are all in progress. It's the one place in the world that says, I don't have it all together. You don't have it all together. But the one we're looking to is the one who is perfect. 
He is going to perfect us. We are, we are made perfect in Him and are being perfected until He comes anew. So yes, someone hurt you, someone did something to you and you're like, I don't wanna be with them. It's gonna happen anywhere in life. Come to the house where we actually acknowledge that we're broken and praise with your brother and sister and in so doing, be encouraged and stirred up in the faith. Because when we pick up praise, when we speak the Word, when we sing the Word, when we encourage one another about His character, His nature, His wonders, His glory, His beauty, His promises, His truth, that brings trust as we read in verse four and trust brings blessing. Because it's not about us. Discipleship isn't about you, it isn't about me, it's all about Him and what He has done and the beautiful call to a life of following, to a life of laying down my life because it's only in Him that I find it. Keep prioritising. Praise with the people of God. Take out, like Paul says it, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And this is one of those beautiful places where we get to do that over and over again. Fix our eyes on Him celebrate Him, bring glory to Him. And that is, it's His character that reminds us of our nature, His nature and His capacity to change our nature, of His capacity to pull us out of that mud and set our feet on the rock. Only Him and Him alone. Number three, let the Word do its work. Now, some of you are like, oh, here we go again. Read your Bibles. <laughs> read your Bibles, read your Bibles. Yep, read your Bible. <laughs> Let the Word do its work. You've heard it a thousand times. Here's some of the reasons why. Because the Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, Psalm 119. As uh, John says, truly, I, uh, in the book of John, truly I say to you, anyone who keeps my Word, this is Jesus, will never see death. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Friends, God's word is powerful. It is life-giving. It is, it is literally truth. It is the one thing that can lift us up and out. It is where we see God. It is where we encounter His promises. His word is that light and that lamb. And when we are stuck, it is the place we should go. And again, it's one of the first things we go, oh, it's not doing anything for me and we shut the book. And I'm, I, I, when I was younger, I have a vivid memory of it's one of these moments in my life where stuff had happened in my life and I was like, I am sick and tired of this. God is not who I thought He was. He's not coming through how I thought He was supposed to come through for me and I was feeling stuck and for whatever reason that day, I decided to open up the Selwyn Hughes Bible study and we were in Exodus every day with Jesus. I was like, this is the last time I'm doing this and then I'm done. And I remember I opened up the Word of God and in big bold letters it said, it is time to seek the Lord. I don't care how you do it. I don't care if you read chapters, if you read a verse, and sit with it all day, but be in the Word of God because this is God's life to our bones. 
I know Gossip Girl is engaging. I know there's like a thousand shows on Netflix that you just wanna catch up on. I know that there's still 15 articles you have not read about Will and Jada and about the slap and all those sorts of things that are really important. I know that someone's posted something about a cat on Instagram and it's hilarious and you need to give time to that. I get it. I get that there's so much else we could spend our time doing, but can we devote five minutes of our day to the Word and watch the Word do its work? Be transformed by the renewing of our minds. If we're stuck, we need transformation. Transformation comes from renewing and it's in the renewing in the Word that we can begin to know the will of God. Then you will be able to know the will of God, test and approve the will of God. His good, pleasing and perfect will. It comes as we let the Word do its work. So let it wash over us. Sit with it, talk about it, think about it. Set some time aside to sit in the Word. Number four, come back to confession. Did he just say confession? I haven't heard confession in church in a while. Verse nine, I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. I do not withhold your mercy from me. May your love and faithfulness always protect me for troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. I'm stuck in the mud. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. Friends, we need to all remember that we need the mercy of God. There is not one person here who is perfect. There is not one person here who is righteous apart from Christ. Not one. Every single one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Even if you are feeling awesome and flying and you're doing everything right, there is still a part of us that is displeasing to God. All of us are completely reliant upon His mercy and therefore we need to begin to come back to confession. We need to begin to be a people who acknowledge the fact that I am fallen and I need His mercy. We need to own it. Begin to own it, confess your sins to one another that we might receive that mercy, that we might come under the blood, that we might be washed in the blood. And as we begin to confess, as we begin to realise that, hey, this is not something that's pleasing to God in my life, we give it to Him and His blood avails for us and we begin to be transformed. David did it better than anyone in Psalm 51 after he had a big fall from grace. What did he say? He didn't justify himself. He didn't say, but, 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 but. He didn't sweep it under the rug. He said, created me a clean heart, O God. Wrote one of the most stunning Psalms, Psalm 51. 
come back to confession. Number five, remember to rejoice, church. Verse 16, but may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I'm poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. May, but may all who seek you rejoice and be glad. There are so many things that we can be grumpy about. There are so many things that we can meditate on that are not uplifting. There are so many reasons for us to be sad instead of glad. But for every reason there is to wallow, there is a thousand reasons to rejoice. I got a dear friend who I used to play footy with and I'd rock up to training and he'd be like, how are you, Shep? And I'd be like, not bad, mate. And he'd go, not bad? What's not bad? Are you good or are you bad? What's going on? He's like, you woke up this morning, mate. You should have a smile on your face. <laughs> the sun's shining. There's dew on the grass. There's air in my lungs. It's beautiful. You woke up this morning. There is reason to rejoice. Every breath is a gift from God. And therefore with every breath I take, each breath, each exhale, each inhale, I should be saying, thank you, Lord, for life. Thank you that I get to have another day, that I get to have people in my life who love me, people who I get to love, that there's food on the table, that there's a roof over my head. There are so many reasons to rejoice. And we need to be a church, a people who remember to rejoice in all areas, rejoice in the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. Therefore, I will rejoice and be glad in it. Why should we rejoice? Because it's another day. Why should we be glad? Because the Lord is the one who enabled this day to happen and I am in Him and He is in me and therefore I'm gonna rejoice and be glad. Can we be a church that rejoices because it's a brand new day? Can we be a church that's rejoicing because there's breath in my lungs? Can we be a church that looks at dinner and instead of just saying, thank you, Jesus, for this food, thanks very much, and then eating, say, Lord, thanks for this food. Thanks for the provision of a job. Thanks for the, my family, even though they're loud and sometimes obnoxious and annoying, but thank you, Lord. I love these children. This is a blessing. I love what God is like. Let's rejoice, 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 rejoice for the Lord is good and His faithfulness endures forever. And this coming weekend, we get to rejoice because He saved humanity. Rejoice, rejoice. And friends, Psalm 100 makes it pretty clear that you don't enter the Holy of Holies without first entering the gates. And the way that you enter the gates is not with mourning. The way we enter the gates, no matter what's going on in life, is with thanksgiving and praise. When we're stuck in the mud, we learn to rejoice in all circumstances that we might enter the courts, that we might enter the presence of God, that we might begin to have Him grab us, put the car back in first and draw us back up the mountain. Learn to rejoice, remember to rejoice. Band, you can come up because I've got to close. But as we close, a couple of things. 
Psalm 42, 11, what does David say? Why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Saviour and my God. Some of us need to learn to speak to our souls and remember to rejoice. Friends, we all get stuck. We all get stuck from time to time. No one's perfect. There's always gonna be moments where faith is hard, where life is hard, where instead of looking up, we look back to the side. We all get stuck. But God is good, amen? And it's no secret that the last few months has been hard for everybody in this state. You know, there's a lot happening in life. It's stressful, it's difficult, and it's no secret that life has been hard. Even in our church, this has been a difficult season. We've had so much change and change is never easy for people. And on top of change, we've had COVID. And COVID has not been easy for people, especially lately as everyone's having to be in isolation. There's all this difference of opinion around how we honour the government and at the same time love each other. What does it look like to follow Christ in this COVID world? And that's the reality of the world that we're living in. And it hasn't been easy. And I wanna, I'm standing here today and just saying, I totally acknowledge that. And as I went on holidays um, this past month, I had a moment where I just opened the Word and said, Lord, we need Your help. Because while our heart and our intention is to love people and point people to Christ, it's so easy to get stuck. I felt the Lord just lead me to Joshua 3. And in Joshua 3, verse three to five, it says this. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Watch this, listen to this. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. So Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Give me five more minutes. You need to hear this church. All right, phones, whatever's gone, just five more minutes. You need to hear this. In that moment, I saw a picture of, of a chapter turning, a page turning. And I felt like the Lord said, Dave, I'm turning the chapter. It is a new chapter. It has been a difficult couple of years, but I am turning the page. And before you step into the next chapter, you need to call the church to a place of consecration. We need to get back to basics. We need to put the car back in first and go back to what we knew at the beginning. We need to come back to a place of consecration because where we are going, we have not been before. And there is great fruit in the next chapter, but we don't wanna go from this chapter to that chapter without having a moment of holiness, without coming back 
to where we began. And so at our eldership meeting on Thursday, we had a moment where we shared openly, honestly and vulnerably because it's been difficult. I'm just being honest with you. I'm confessing this before the church. And we've had moments where we've agreed. We've had moments where we've disagreed. We've had moments where we've wrestled back and forth about how we're supposed to lead in this moment, in this time. It hasn't been easy. There's been so many opinions. But on Thursday, we came together as an eldership. We shared, we confessed, we repented and we took communion. And as we took communion, we came back under the blood And as we came under the blood, we made a commitment and a covenant with one another that from this moment forward, we're running together. We're going back to basics. We're going back to the basics, pointing people to the cross and running forward together in unity. It was so precious, church. It was such a, I just think, a poignant moment in the life of this church. Such a powerful time. And as we sat there taking communion, I had another picture. And I saw this picture of a potter and his clay. Can we put that up there? And the Lord led me back to Jeremiah 18, right? Listen to this, the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the Word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand. And I was reminded that we're all mud. We're all formed from the dust of the earth and without His breath, that's all we are, lumps of clay. But I was reminded that the invitation of Christ is to get ourselves on the spinning wheel and put ourselves in the potter's hands. And as the lump of clay sits on the spinning wheel, there are times where if you're that clay, you look up at the potter and you think, wow, what's possible in my life? when His hands are on me, what's possible in my life? But I guarantee you there are other times where the mud on the wheel is so sick of just spinning around and around and around, doing the same old thing. And in the midst of just doing the same old thing over and over again, yeah, I'm reading my Word, yeah, I'm praying, yeah, I'm spending time in church, nothing's changing. All I see is the mud. All I feel like I'm doing is just going round and round in circles. And instead of looking up, we look down, we look inward and we forget the one who has his hands on us. And the temptation is, the temptation of the enemy is to get off the wheel. The temptation of the enemy is to say, what's the point? I'm jumping off of the wheel. But if you jump off the wheel, all you are is a lump of clay. But if you stay on the wheel, you become a jar of clay. And you know what God does with jars of clay? He puts treasure in them. He puts treasure in jars of clay. And that treasure becomes the means by which the world is changed. And I don't know if it's gonna be two years, five years, a hundred years, whatever it's gonna be, but this is the invitation to discipleship. This is faith, Hebrews 11, by faith, by faith. Come on the wheel, get on the wheel, put yourself in my hands and I will do in you a 
immeasurably more than you hope or imagine. I will bring transformation. I will bring change. I will make you into a beautiful jar, a vessel for my glory, not your own. On the wheel. And I sense an invitation this morning to each and every one of us. I don't know where we're at. I don't know what is going on in your world, but I know at times we all get stuck and the invitation is to come back to the wheel. Get back to the basics. Get back to going around and around because in His hands, we become a jar of clay. And a jar of clay contains the treasure of God. I don't know about you, I wanna walk as a vessel full of treasure. Not walk my own way and become the mud that adds to the mud of the world. So as we close, I close with this, Philippians 1. As, and I'm sure of this, that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Some of you didn't hear that. I'm gonna read it again. And I am sure of this, that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Will bring it to completion. Some of you still haven't got it. Will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Stay on the wheel. Consecrate yourself before the Lord. Do not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. I'm so excited for what lies ahead of us. I'm so excited for the next chapter. But as the page turns, it's time to consecrate ourselves before the Lord. I'm gonna invite all of us to stand to our feet. the Lord stirring some hearts this morning and I want to give everyone an opportunity to respond not just another sermon but a moment in time to get back on the wheel and so we're going to sing a song called Christ be magnified and as we sing this song let us sing it from the depths of our hearts let this be a prayer and I don't know if you want to 
come forward and kneel before Him, you're welcome to do that. If you wanna stand with your arms raised, you're welcome to do that. If you wanna sit quietly before the Lord and just wait on Him, do that. Don't just sing another song. This is a holy moment, you and God, you and the potter. The invitation is not to waving palm branches. The invitation is to a life of following. Let's get back to basics, hey? Who's with me? If you'd like someone to pray with you, please come forward. We'll have some ministry team up here to pray. Let this be an act of surrender right now as we as the church submit ourselves to Him and let Him have control. Father God, we love You. We praise You. We thank You for the cross. Lord, we never graduate from the cross. It's why Paul says, it's no trouble for me to write to you the same things again. It's no trouble for us to go back to basics. It's no trouble for us to put it back in first and start driving again. Lord, we come back to the cross. We thank You for Your beauty, for Your wonder, for Your saving grace. We say, consecrate our hearts before You. We surrender ourselves to You afresh. We say, have Your way. Come, Lord Jesus. Take my life. Let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take these moments in my days. Lord, we just wanna worship You. We wanna have lives that are set aside for You and You alone. We give You it all, in Jesus' name. listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.